Hey guys, Amanda again, looking forward to sharing the best of clips this week from the Lou Diamond series of Fresh from the Hill, Inside Stories of Noteworthy Cornellians. This show will feature the greatest hits from the following episodes from season one. Little Sister featuring Irene Lee, class of 2012, owner of May May Street Kitchen and May May Restaurant in Boston. I Just Need a Beer featuring Jack Mason, class of 2011, master sommelier at the Pappas Brothers Steakhouse Houston downtown and Galleria locations. People Are the X Factor, featuring singer-songwriter Kia Albertson-Rogers, class of 2013, who is also the composer of our music for this program. Pathways, featuring Becky Katz, class of 2009, current Robert Bosch Fellow and former Chief Bicycle Officer for the City of Atlanta. Connecting artists to fans, from WVBR to SiriusXM to Spotify, featuring Jordan Gremley, class of 2008, head of artist and fan development at Spotify. And Second Chances, featuring Darnell Epps, current Cornell student and class of 2019. Please enjoy snippets of these amazing interviews and listen to the full episodes if you haven't yet, or if you want to revisit them before we launch into season three on Wednesday, August 7th. Happy listening. Uh, we, I had this one class that is still around today, which was called Business Communications, which was uh, at the time taught by Brian Earle, who was a legendary comm professor. And I was one of the only uh, now Dyson grads, it was called AGEC back then, but I was a Dyson major that was allowed to also be a TA in that business communication class after I took it. And I love that class, which really taught me how to speak and present in different situations in a business environment. So that was, that was the first class. The other class was something related to it, which deals a lot with consulting and helping to pr- make a presentation and an argument, if you would, which was a class called business policy. And that was taught by a professor named Doc Applin, who was my advisor at the time, uh, who was originally from Vermont and was, was a very unique, brilliant man. And we had uh, wonderful interactions in that class. And that class culminated with a big presentation where we used to go through um, Harvard Business case studies. What I loved about both of those classes, which is a perfect, I guess, summation of me, is that, that I am a coach and a consultant and I'm a keynote speaker. So here we have both of those classes still being relevant to what I do today. One of the classes that I will always remember, uh, which is kind of relevant to this, uh, is a class about narrative uh, interview methods. So it's really about storytelling, right? Um, And the idea is that, you know, interviewing is a really important qualitative methodology. And so how do you ask the right questions um, and get information from people? And how does the way that they tell their story um, sort of give it context um, and, and highlight certain aspects of it? And I mean, in the end, it's kind of, it's really about psychology and understanding people and listening. And in so many ways, that is what hospitality is all about. It's it's more like I studied music, but I majored in communication okay. <laughs> in the sense of I, I didn't take like music classes, but every I should have known from a young age, like I've been terrible at everything else just because I'm always thinking about beats or writing or how I can get back to recording more. And then I also um, took a class uh, where called Agua Clara, where they built uh, water treatment facilities. 
um, in Honduras and Nicaragua. And um, it was all about working directly with community members um, to design water treatment facilities and to empower the community to operate them and to build them within the local context and to build them with local materials. And I think that course has had a huge impact on me throughout my career. Um, I don't know if I knew that at the time because it was also in a 7.30 or 8 a.m. class. <laughs> so, oh my, it's 7.30. There were no 7.30 classes. Maybe you had to wake up at 7.30. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was eight. Maybe I had to wake up at 7.30. But I just remember being in, in college and being like, this is really early. <laughs> And, and there was pop quizzes. But the actual content of this, like, this is my first real, like, eye-opening class where it was like, wow, this is such a different take on engineering. This is, you know, I think that there's um, folklore in the engineering is like, oh, it's just an optimization problem. You know, it's just figure it out. There's a lot of plug-and-play kind of conversations. But this was kind of the first class that was like, no, I mean, we need to work directly with communities to understand where they are, what they have access to, um, to provide better solutions. As in. Coming in a little bit, not as a freshman, but as like knowing what I wanted to do and having a focus, I was able to just drill down and do all the beverage management classes and, you know, become end up becoming the head TA for the wines class and, you know, just got to focus on what I already knew what I wanted to do, and that was wine. The idea of going to Cornell University, <laughs> you know, seems like a, a quite quite a grand idea. And I, I, I you know, for someone who's incarcerated uh, for, for so long and who only has a GED, but I had worked in the law library for many, many years, and I had, you know, devoted myself to legal writing. And I met a law professor from Cornell who actually had visited me uh, at Five Points who encouraged me to apply. When I started at Cornell, I was an atmospheric science major, um, and I got my degree in atmospheric science, but it was really the um, the extracurriculars of, you know, having an internship in Binghamton, New York on TV, um, doing the weather there, and of course, my involvement in WVBR, the radio station, as you said, that really led me to the path of, all right, I still like the weather. I still, you know, watch when the snowstorms roll in and watch hurricanes and, and keep an eye on it for sure, but I really want, as a career, want to get more into media and more into broadcast, um, and that's kind of what led me to my first first job out of college, which was at, at Sirius XM. I was put on this planet to work with the most amazing people and companies and help them thrive through the power of connecting. My interest has always been in the overlap of engineering and community and how engineering affects huh. community and culture and how culture and community affects public realm and engineering projects. Um, the, the, more, the more that Spotify and the more that digital music in general um, expands, really, I feel the more opportunity there is for artists to, to grow and, and connect with their audiences. And we're kind of like just getting started there. So it's exciting. I'm a first semester senior. I graduate in, the spring, I graduate in December. Um, I'll walk in December. Um, I'm a government major. Um, I plan to take the LSAT in September into apply for law school at that time um and it's my dream to you know become an attorney you know and to i think of people like sean hopwood and Dwayne betts who've uh went from prison to you know 
go on and obtain a law degree and become practicing lawyers. It was at Cornell that I ended up meeting a master sommelier, like actually like in the expensive time with him. It was Greg Harrington uh, from Gramercy Cellars. He would come and do uh, HEC each year at Hotel Ezra Cornell. And, uh, you know, I just kind of was like, hey, man, I uh, know you're here for a few days. So if, uh, if you have some time to grab some coffee or just, you know, connect, I would just love to pick your brain for a while. And uh, he was gracious and said, of course, man, let's uh, grab some lunch and you know we had an incredible conversation and i was like okay i want to be you <laughs> i want to be a master sommelier we definitely are driven by our values at maymay and that really is just about like doing the right thing and taking care of people whether it's the guest or a vendor or an employee um thinking about our people and their well-being is i think what gives me the most inspiration and what drives me to keep going, um, even if I've had a really crummy day. What is that thing that makes you you? Um, I, I feel like that for me is music. So my purpose is to work with others to help really harness that power of connections. And I love what I do each and every day. Of course you have to love what you do, but you also have to understand it. It's not enough to be a great cook. You have to know how the business actually works. Um, and in the restaurant industry, that's a really complicated question and not one that you really figure out by learning how to cook. Um, the way that restaurant finance works, all those mechanics are very, very specific to the industry. And I will freely admit that I walked into owning a restaurant without knowing much of anything about that. And so passion is important, um, but being educated is, is even more crucial, I think, um, because, you know, they say that if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And I have to say that, frankly, I completely disagree with that. <laughs> but you do still, <laughs> right? You do still have to love what you do. Um, it's just that that's not necessarily enough, and that's why people have hobbies, right? And now, you know, cooking is not a hobby for me. I don't get to have it as a hobby anymore. It's work. Um, and so, really, being educated on on how to turn your passion into a successful business is so important. I oversaw the launch of our bike share system, which was really a thrilling project, along with some education and, and again, working directly with communities on education about biking. So we knew that there was a different experience, right, within the walls of the correctional facility. And, you know, that experience involved volunteerism, it involved youth counseling, it involved working, you know, with civilians, uh, and also furthering our education. I had teachers like Miss Benedetti, who my first year um, coming to Five Points uh, had seen, you know, I don't know, some had, had confidence in my ability to be a great student and help encourage me to, you know, pursue my GED. And I earned my GED that first year. We've seen that if users um, interact more with their favorite artists, then they interact more with Spotify, right? So we're trying to figure out ways to, to have that happen. Um, and so, you know, if a user um, sees more information about an artist, like tickets that, that they could buy um, or tickets that they're being rewarded with for being a fan or a way to buy a T-shirt or, you know, a notification that says this artist has a new album out, those are all kind of things that will enhance the user experience in addition to helping artists develop their careers using our, our audience. 
It's all about service these days, you know, and that's ultimately what drew me into wanting to continue with the court and with restaurants and those sorts of things is, you know, for me being able to be the link between uh, the kitchen, the wine and the entire experience is, is really, uh, it's really, really cool because, you know, when I was behind in the back of house, you get to create a dish and maybe see that dish come back and the plate be empty or not be empty, right? But uh, as a sommelier, I get to um, maybe help direct them on what to order. I get to help pair wines with uh, their meal uh, or not. And, you know, I ultimately get to help direct their uh, entire experience and see the whole thing through. And so, and, and then ultimately you get to uh, see the joy that that all can bring. I was working just to live, just so that I could be there, so that I could work. Just to, it's that vicious cycle of uh, that I think a lot of folks get into. Where if you, if I was like if I, if you at the core, I don't need to drive a Benz, I don't need nice clothes. I have maybe like three black T-shirts. I'm a minimal dude. I was like I like to do martial arts. I like to make music. I like to eat vegetables. And like, why do I need to be in Philadelphia? I was like, if I move to Thailand. I can either teach English online or just spend my days doing more what I love and less working for somebody else. When you connect, you can thrive. And Thrive is the name of my company and the business, which is my consulting practice. And we created a program that featured and connected the people that I know and that I've come across or that I have been fortunate enough to, to meet to connect them to our listeners. And that program is called Thrive Loud, where we basically connect our audience to those that are thriving in their lives, their businesses, and their passions every day. And to bring this full circle, Amanda, that's why I was so excited about the opportunity to host Fresh from the Hill, because it was very similar to tapping into these incredible alumni, these unbelievable entrepreneurs and people who have recently graduated Cornell and how they are helping to the world to thrive in, in what they do specifically each day. I always try and take some of the stuff that I learned at Cornell, especially like at in college when it's like this very social time and you have so much exposure and to really bring that into my life constantly of always being open to meeting people for coffee, um, always learning more about folks and deepening my relationship with them. At the core of it, what I like doing is um, using, using data and using, um, you know, the fact that, that people like music, right, and all the, you know, the, the things that come along with that to make better experiences for both the users, for both fans and for artists. A lot of restaurant owners might say like, hey, the minimum wage is $11 an hour here and times are tough. And so everyone gets paid $11 an hour and that's it. There's nothing we can do. Um, and I really don't believe that. Uh, I've heard it and heard things like it all the time. And there just there has to be a better way. And there has to be a way for, for the business to be successful while not exploiting you know, every other entity the business is in relationship with. How do we win and let our employees win at the same time? How do we win without shortchanging the guest? One thing I, you know, that was that struck me deep was seeing the the pain when I was in the courtroom. When I walked walked in the courtroom, and I would see a packed courtroom, and I would see families on both sides feeling pain. Uh, I would see the the tears in my mother's eyes, the embarrassment that I caused her. 
the shame that I brought. She was a New York City police officer, but yet had to explain to her colleagues that her two sons were incarcerated for murder. And she was at trial every day, right? She stuck by me. She came up on the visit practically every month to see Daryl and I. Uh, and it was no, it it was that. It was witnessing that. It was seeing that um, that that really brought me face to face with, you know, the need to ultimately become a responsible adult, right? And to to break out of this. This, this way of thinking that seemed to dominate my, my teenage years. It was the relationships built at Cornell that really helped me say, this, this is a path that I want to go down to. That's really the key is building those relationships because, um, and like I said, with the music industry, it's a thousand true fans. I think this is the day and age where we try every YouTube channel. We're looking for a million subscribers. How can I get more Instagram followers? How can I get more people to like my Facebook page? It's all about here. Please like my stuff. You know, take this from me where instead my approach is uh, deep instead of wide. So the guests that we've had have not only translated their Cornell experience to to extend Cornell into a reach into different parts of the globe. They have really extended their their own superpowers, their own super why, if you would, to really help the world grow. And that's what I loved about these conversations that we had with these amazing people on Fresh From The Hill. Really fun interviews, really nice people too. And I think for our listeners, I think it's great to know that this program really was connecting alumni and Cornell together. I think Cornell, we, we have a great job of um, kind of really helping students uh, be prepared and uh, be ready to step into the world. But I think that we also need to remember that it's just a foot in the door, not <laughs> you're opening the door, you know? And so uh, just right. humility and, and uh, understanding like hey there's a there's still a lot more to learn um, you know you have a great base to build from you know i think the the kind of the business oriented aspect of of the way the hospitality school was and hotel school is and will really set you know for long long-term success and you know um those skills got to be used in different ways throughout um my adventure uh, to life thus far but you know i often especially in new york i think that um, young alumni think that uh, it should you know be the be the wine director right away or whatever you know be the be the person in charge right away and, and, you know there's a, there's still a lot to glean from uh, working through maybe taking that that server slash sommelier position then getting the sommelier position and then ultimately becoming a wine director having mentors along the way because um, there's there's a lot of underwritten um, just great techniques and, and things that you you'll only really learn from working under some people and working under different people 
started at Spotify uh, about six months after we launched in the US. And at that time I was on the artist services team, which was um, really at that time, just a more, more of an educational team. We went around and talked to artists and, and managers in the music industry about what Spotify was, about how the business model is a little different and how the distribution model is a little bit different, but here are all the cool things that we can do together. Um, things like using our data to help you route a tour or new kinds of marketing campaigns that are using digital marketing in new and different ways. Um, and so as Spotify has evolved over the last couple, over the last seven years, I've been there for seven years now, th I've basically been doing the same kind of thing, um, you know, using data and using technology to help artists develop their audiences, but in, in different ways. Um, as, you know, Spotify has grown its user base, there's been a lot, we've got a lot of data, you know? Um, so we're just trying, we're trying to figure out, um, in addition to helping artists make decisions about their career, like I said, helping, you know, with tours and helping selling merch and that kind of stuff. What if we can help them, you know, pick different single, which single to put out? Or um, what if we can target different types of fans at different times, you know, reward the super fans at one point and then reward new listeners for discovering an artist at a different time. Um, it's just been, a bit, I feel really lucky and uh, to, to have been at the forefront of these things and, and even more lucky now to be at the forefront of a lot of opportunity for artists. When I see people who are doing things that I think, you know, are not so honorable or respectful or whatever it is, I feel so strongly that I can prove them wrong and that I can show that the choices they're making are not the choices that they have to make and that they can do better and that we can all do better. Um, and in the restaurant industry, again, there's so much that we can do better. And so I have this sort of competitive side of my personality, but for me, it's really about trying to raise the bar for everyone. Um, and there are a lot of times where I don't take no for an answer. This isn't all just a Cornell plug, but it's starting to sound like it through Michael Seltzer, who worked at Island Def Jam in, who was also a Cornell grad in New York. Um, I graduated uh, actually a semester late because I was a transfer student. And so I was doing urban semester and uh, Michael Seltzer hooked up with an internship in the music industry. And it's one of those things that I think um, a lot of folks experience, maybe if they if they shadow a professional, if they're like, oh, I always wanted to be a doctor. And then you shadow a doctor and you're like, this is hard. Like, this is not what I thought it was cracked up to be. There are multiple uh, people who contributed to my eventual growth. Um, there were the older inmates, Bar Kim, um, you know, who I came upstate with, uh, or Mark Thompson eventually, who came to Five Points and others inmates, older older inmates who, who had played a, a quite a role in helping to, you know, keep my brother and I from the criminogenic environment in prison. And we realized that we had options, right? That we didn't have to succumb to gangs. We didn't have to succumb to the negativity of prison, which you see, which you can find if you're looking for it. My main advice to any woman is that just because you're not good at one of the subjects in engineering, especially because you have to have this you know, strong foundation of things that you may have no interest in, does not mean you're stupid. And I think that there is a perception, sadly, within young men in engineering that if a woman isn't good at physics too, she's not going to be a good engineer. Um, and you just kind of have to suffer through that and, and people suffer through it. I suffered through physics too, electromagnetism, 
is not something I ever, ever want to talk about again. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the right hand rule, you know, it's just really above my head. And that's totally fine because I found the type of engineering where I could fulfill things that I was interested in. But you kind of have to go through the slog, and I think that's what, you know, makes people proud to be an, an engineer, that you have this strong foundation. But it is really intimidating when you're in a class of mostly men and you're going through a group selection process and immediately it's assumed that you're not as talented as other people in the class because basically because you're a woman. Thank you so much for joining us this episode and this season of Fresh from the Hill. Our music was written, produced, and performed by Kia Alberts and Rogers, class of 2013. You can contact Kia at koa3 at cornell.edu and find his music online at kiaorion.com. Learn more about the podcast and join our mailing list at alumni.cornell.edu slash podcast. Want to get more involved with Cornell? Check out our website, alumni.cornell.edu slash youngalumni. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next week.